You're listening to the Bearded Hope Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, man. Well, I should have worn my shirt that says I got kids because that was definitely happening today. (laughs) Ezra just wanted to be a part of the fun today. That's what it was. (laughs) Um, We we are going to continue in our uh, series, The Beautiful Gospel. And I actually do have slides today. How about that? (laughs) So... um, We'll get those rolling here in a second. Uh, But last week we talked about um, looking at an acronym called WEAT. We talked about how um, uh, we had, I'm trying to, I'm sorry, I'm trying to flip back to where my notes from last week, so I'll give you a little bit. Uh, Last week we looked at wounded children and looked at if we start... um, if we start looking at the story of the Father and humanity with depravity, it puts us in a position as seeing men and women as completely, totally separated from the Father. But if we go back and see that this whole thing starts with we are created in the image of God, which makes us the children of God... If we start there, then we see that depravity is not the issue, wounding is the issue. Where Adam uh, and Eve, where they chose a different direction, where they saw a different view of Father, that brought about a wounding in the heart of humanity that the Father didn't cause a separation, but it caused more love and more grace to pour out upon us. So, if we, can we throw that first slide up? The first picture? Boom! Go to the next one. So this is what we're looking at over the next couple of weeks. Wounded children, human solidarity, exhaustive reconciliation, absolute grace, and transformative love. Um, Today we're going to talk about human solidarity. Today we're going to talk about um, uh, the difference between what is chosen, what is the elect. I'm sure you might have heard what that is, and really what's in the Father's heart. Um, Last week we we also talked about how um, we are all God's children. We talked about we're wounded and blind and we need healing. We talked about that we are invited to come home like the prodigal son. Uh, We started the story of man not with depravity and lostness, but we started with the goodness of father. 
Uh, Starting at depravity leads us to captivity and rules and checks and balances. It leads us to follow the law instead of relationship with the Father. It leads us to selective salvation, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, When you start with depravity, it puts us in a position where God chooses who will be saved based on His will, or that God's choice is based upon His foreknowledge of those who would accept Him. It puts us in a position where God separates and classifies human beings, His children, into the elect and the non-elect, who receive salvation and who would receive damnation. But what I want to look at today is something that might be a little closer to the Father's heart. And we'll talk about the elect. We'll talk about all those things. But let's start, start out with human nature. Just as we are all children of God, so too we share in human nature. There's, there's human nature and we, we stand and fall together. It's easy to see that when you look at culture because culture stands and falls together. Countries who's made up of humans stand and fall together. So there is a unified human nature. Now, we're not going to talk about collective salvation, but we're going to talk about perception and revelation that happens through the love of the Father. And the first thing we're going to do is look at 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22, and I got a slide for it. How about that? The Passion Translation. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, It is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. But each one in his proper order, Christ, the first fruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. Is there another one after that one? In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. Okay, since death came through a man, Adam, it's fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. The word death here is Thanatos, which is interesting because there's a new movie called The Avengers coming out, and the main character's name is Thanos, which is a play on the Greek word death. The word death here means all the miseries arising from separation all the miseries that happens from a bad perception of who the Father is. All the misery that happens from a bad revelation of who the Father is. This brought the loss of the God kind of life, the Zoe, the full life. So through Adam, through misunderstanding, through bad perception, through a bad revelation of who Father is, remember, There's more. There's more. I can have more. If I eat this, I'll get more. When he already knew, in Father, he had everything. But the perception shifted and changed to where he thought, no, I can have more. 
Through that understanding, that missing the mark, so to speak, that sin or that bad revelation of the Father was introduced into humanity. Humanity lived from that bad revelation on. It was passed down, spoken either through spoken word, either through osmosis. I don't know. It could be through just DNA, but somehow that was passed down. And we went down this spiraling a spiraling path of death. So death, non-zoe, began to reign in the lives of men. But here's the beautiful gospel, the good news. Jesus brought resurrection. So through one came death. Through the God-man, the Son, came resurrection. A fresh perspective of what was originally intended, a fresh revelation of what was originally thought out and given, a, uh, a revival of our hearts to see the original tent and the original view of the Father. This brought about the resurrection of the dead, or a reintroduction to the Zoe, the life of God. Romans 5. Romans 5, starting with verse 18. I'm actually going to start at verse 17. It says, Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience, for the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true, the many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus, the Messiah, did for us? And this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But this gracious gift Gives us, gets us free from our many failures and brings us into a perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words not guilty. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. The perspective of a wrong revelation of Father brings about condemnation. Condemnation is self-righteous judgment based on behavior. That condemnation, that self-righteous judgment affected all men and affected our perspective of the Father. We're always going to miss the mark if our view is always messed up of Father. So it heaps upon us condemnation after condemnation after condemnation. But Christ brought perfect Righteousness, a perfect picture of our place with the Father through his actions on the cross. His life brought right standing, righteousness with the Father. We now stand and see the Father correctly. We see that we are children, and as children, we have rights to come into the presence of the Lord and sit at his table. 
This understanding leads us to a victorious zoe, or a victorious God life, or victorious living. That living is available to all. Not just some, but all. We've read in the last two scriptures over and over again, the three-letter word, all. It's available to all. He did it for all, once and for all. So what does all this mean? Humans aren't elected for damnation or salvation by Father. Let that marinate for a second. When I wrote that statement in this book, in my notes, I had to stop. Because that's not, that's not what I have been told for the majority of my life. Now I will admit, I never felt that way, but that's what I've always been told. And so if I was always told that, then that's what it has to be. But let's just think for a moment. If he's not the one electing, if he's not the one choosing, then who is? Who's the one that's choosing? Humanity. Humanity is. Jesus did his part. He lived, he died, he rose again. Once and for all, he did it. He set captivity, us who were blinded, Free. All humanity. That's what it said. We just read the two passages of Scripture. That's why it says he did it for all. So all humanity has been set free from the bad perception of Father. The choice now lies in us to make a decision. Will we continue in death or will we move towards life? 1 Timothy 4. I don't know if I have that. Is that the next slide? First Timothy? That's the next slide. All right, we can leave it right there. We'll talk about that dude in a second. He's dead. He's old. He can stay there for a while. First Timothy. <laughs> First Timothy 4.10. He is the wonderful life giver of all the children of Not God, not anybody else, but, next word, men. I believe Paul was very clear. He's trying to let everyone know that that he is the wonderful life giver of all the kids, of all the children, of all humanity, and even more so to those who believe. So not only is he saying, listen, he is the life giver to all, but those who actually open their eyes, it becomes fresh, new, awesome revelation. It's exploding on the inside of them. The New Revised Standard Version says he is the savior of not one, not two, not some, not few, but all people. Jesus accomplished this through the incarnation. What's the incarnation? That is the combination of his divine nature and human nature. And that's why we're going to talk about this guy. This guy's name is Anna. Athana, whoo, Athanasius. Whoo, that's a tough name, all right? His proper name would be Anasius of Alexandria. 
He was alive from 296 to 373. He's considered an early church father. He's considered one of the experts from the early church on the incarnation, on the word becoming flesh. And he was a part of the first Nicene Council. And the Nicene Council gathered together because there were some in the church saying that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. There were some in the church saying that he wasn't fully man and fully God. So they came together, and this was the chief arguer of that point. And all they were supposed to do was to come together and to talk about that. But for some reason, they created a creed. Because, you know, anytime you get a group of preachers together and theologians together, they want to write out a doctrinal statement for some reason. I don't know. But what they really came together and what this guy's passion was, was to share that Jesus came fully divine and fully human. And he makes this statement. He says, Naturally also, through this union of the immortal Son of God with our human nature, all men. This is an early church father. All men, not some men, not the elect, but all men were clothed with incorruption in the promise of the resurrection. For the solidarity of mankind is such that by the virtue of the words indwelling in a single human body, the corruption which goes with death has lost all its power. He has come into our country and dwelt in one body amidst the many, and in consequence, the designs of the enemy against mankind, and we're not talking about enemy as in the devil, but we're talking about enemy as in darkness, the law, that's what we're talking about here, The designs of the law, the designs of darkness against mankind have been foiled and the corruption of death which formerly held them in its power has simply ceased to be. For the human race would have perished utterly had not the Lord and Savior of of all, the Son of God, come among us and put an end to death. He did it for all. Fully man, fully God. He stepped into us. He put an end to death by experiencing it himself. Darkness was expelled by the presence of the light with a capital L, and death has been expelled by the presence of the very life, the Zoe. Jesus simply entering as fully man and fully God entered into death and finished it. So the downward spiral that we were in because of our bad revelation of the Father that constantly led to death and decay was ended, that spiral was ended in Jesus. Once and for all. This old guy goes on to say, thus taking a body like our own, Because all our bodies were liable to the corruption of death, he surrendered his body to death instead of all of us and offered it to the Father. This he did out of sheer love for us, so that in his death all might die. The law of death, all of it abolished because having fulfilled in his body that which was appointed, that which was the bloodlust that was calling out from the law, that was calling out from darkness, he he, uh, paid for it. And thereafter voided its power over men. This he did that he might turn again to turn again the incorruption of men who turn their back. So this so he might turn again to incorruption men who turn their back to corruption and make them alive through death by the appropriation of his body, by the grace of his resurrection. Thus he would make death disappear from them as utterly like straw in the fire. Human beings 
are the products of love. That's what we were created to be, products of his love. And so, and I can keep messing up his name. There we go. <laughs> he, he's making this point that, listen, Christ came fully man and fully God to reveal to us that we are created to be products of God's love. We are created in his image and for the purpose of reciprocating that divine love. Human nature is motivated by an internal, internal principle of this one desire. We are geared to move towards the Father. What's he, he says each man was given a, uh, what's it called, a, a, a little bit of faith or a small amount of faith or a measure, Right? There's something in us that draws us to the Father. We all have it. It's there because we are geared to be products of His love. The Father is the source of all life, and when we move towards Him, we find life. We find Zoe, the God kind of life. But to turn away from Him, even for one second, is to begin to die. And this is what humanity has been doing since Adam. We've been turning away from the Father. We've been turning away of, of the right view of him, that God's not mad at us, that he loves us. We've been turning from that, and it's causing us in this downward spiral away from love and life and real reality into death. We've been moving towards nothingness. But because of his great love, the son stepped in and put on our human nature. He became one of us. This is, this, this is the beautiful gospel. Not only does the father love us, not only does the triune God love us, not only does the Son love us, not only does the Holy Spirit love us, not only are they not mad at us, but the Son became one of us and lived like us, experienced and breathed and tasted life like us. He stopped the, the downward spiral and open up the door for reversal. He opened up the door to repentance, the, the changing of our minds, the changing of our vision, the changing of our perspective to see Father for who He is. He initiated an upward movement towards life. He initiated what the early church first called themselves, the way. moving us towards life, moving us towards love, moving us towards the reality of the Father. In the movement of that one human life, the life of Christ, fully man, fully God, the whole of human nature has undergone death and resurrection. We've been brought back to life. We've been brought back to reality. That has been opened for all. So, 
Here's the big question. Who's the elect? Right? Because you hear that all the time. The elect, the chosen, the separated. We hear that all the time. Who is it? Turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 35. This takes place at the, that moment on, on the side of the mountain where Jesus is transfigured. The Father speaks and thunders. From within the cloud, this is my son, my beloved one, or my chosen one. Listen carefully to all he has to say. Who's the elect? Who's the chosen one? Jesus. Jesus is the elect. Jesus is the chosen. Because of Jesus' election, because of his chosenness, we are chosen. Jesus' election says that we are elect. Those who are in Christ. Now, don't get carried away with that. Because if you get carried away with that, you start putting that on another tier and start saying that there's some that are chosen. No, Jesus was chosen, and through Jesus, all have been chosen and all have been elect. And those of us who find Christ and see Christ and get this revelation step into chosenness and step into the full revelation of election. That is available to all. Not some, but all. So we step in and come to the full revelation of election by being in Christ. Father didn't choose who was going to be in Christ. He chose Christ. And through Christ, because he's chosen, has chosen all. Right? The Son came fully man, fully God. So that means the divinity and the humanity, the divinity and the humanity came together, and that humanity was chosen. So we find our chosenness and our election through Christ. The simplest understanding of this is who is in Christ? Who is in Christ? It's, it's those who've come to the present reality and believe in Christ. Our eyes have been opened to the love of the Father, to the right view of God. Ephesians 1, and I think I have this scripture. Skip to uh, one more. Here we go. No, that's Colossians. That's the last one. We'll get to that one in a second. We'll turn to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians 1, starting with verse 7. It says, Since we are now joined in Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. 
the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This super abundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he has delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. So number one, when our eyes are open and that revelation begins to take place and we begin to see that super abundant grace explodes on the inside of us and we start seeing all that we have inherited. The cascading riches of his grace are revealed to us. That's what happens when we recognize the election that we have through Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're separated or special. It just means that we have received the revelation and now... And now we've been given the responsibility to share that with all mankind. That the richness of his grace, the superabundant grace that I have received, is now available to you as well. The chosenness that I have, the election that I have, the right to call myself a son and daughter of God is yours as well. Our election is not one that only blesses us with salvation while cursing the rest of the world to damnation. Rather, the Father has chosen Christ as the light, and as the light shines on us, we reveal it to the rest of the world. That light of revelation, that light of we are all children of God. We become reflections of the chosen one, the elect so others can see the light and be revealed and transformed the same way. We talked last week that when our eyes are open to fresh revelation, when our eyes are open to anything, what happens? It's repentance. If my wife and I are talking and, I, and, and there's something happens and I find out that our relationship, there's something there that's causing hurt or causing something, and I get revelation, I get light, the, the, the genuine thing in your heart that happens because our, we're human, and we talk about we're geared towards divine love, we're geared towards Father's love, our heart is to move towards it, the first thing that instantly happens is, I'm sorry, right? When the Father in his goodness, is constantly chasing the hearts of men, and people see the revelation through Jesus of who Father really is, what happens? Repentance, right? For some reason, we've, we've painted these words, and we've painted these things, and we've painted these pictures and moved people into a corner and told them, well, you, you've got to ask for forgiveness, and, you've got to, and we don't even understand what asking for forgiveness is. We think it's for all the bad deeds that we did. Why did we do all the bad deeds? Why did all that happen? Because our hearts were not revealed to the revelation of who Father was. Once that happens, something shifts, and there's, there's, there's a response from us that happens. Oh, my. 
oh my. There's an I'm sorry moment with the Father. Father's not up there looking for us to, to, to get on our knees in the gravel and the dirt and, and shed blood and cry and weep and gnash our teeth to get anything from him. But that's the paint. That's the painting that we've presented to people for so long. And we've painted this picture for so long that there's only certain groups of people that are going to heaven or there's certain groups of people that are going to get saved or there's certain groups of people that are going to enter into the kingdom because we misinterpret certain passages of Scripture. Can I tell you something? There's going to be a whole heck of a lot of people in heaven, way more than you think there are. And heaven's not where you think it is anyway, but we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> we have taken words and phrases and, and, and something that was intended for a certain century and a certain time frame and tried to place it into our century and our time frame and our language, and it just doesn't work. And so we've got to be good stewards and good studiers and dig and find out what are, these def- what are these definitions? What's being said here? What's the fuller revelation and in all things and everything? What is Jesus in all of this? Do we see him in everything that we're looking at and seeing? Through one man, the spiral towards death took place. But through the greater man, the one that was human and divine, came life and resurrection. This passage of scripture, Colossians 2. In the same way you have received Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Oh, that's good. Don't stop at the introduction. Keep moving forward. Keep walking in present reality, living. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you, continually, uh, as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. You are continuing your understanding of the election that you have through the elected one. For you are established in the faith, you have absorbed and, and you, are, you have absorbed and have been enriched by your devotion to him. This is who you are now. Dive deeper into it, and you take this everywhere. We talked during that song, I was created to worship. What's worship? It's relationship. It's relationship with the Father, just like prayer is communication. It's constant relationship. You're taking that relationship that you have with Father everywhere. You're taking this. That's what you're taking. Just as you have been transformed, you're preaching transformation. That transformation opens up the hearts of our kids, of our family members, of our friends. Tell the story of your transformation. Tell the story of how you moved from, man, I didn't, you don't understand, I lived for so long thinking that God was mad at me. I've lived so long living in this lifestyle of just, when I finally saw Father for who he really was, I was awakened. And Jesus is the one that did that for me. 
It's, it really is that simple. And I'm telling you, the world is looking for those simple dialogues and conversations with people. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have, what is it, the Romans road to heaven memorized. You don't have to have all that. Because can I tell you something? That's what society and culture has been given for the last hundred years. And you know what they've done to it? Talk to the hand. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to take part in it. Because all you've done is told me for the last hundred years that nobody loves me, you hate me because of how I live, you hate me for what I do, right? We have a whole generation really mad at the church because we've been telling them no, 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 no. And then the church goes and elected somebody that did every single thing that you told them not to do. They're ticked. They're mad. They're angry. And then you want to come and talk to them? They're going to tell you, "Uh uh-uh. Now, that wasn't a condemnation against Trump. I'm just telling you (laughs) what we're dealing with with a generation. They're mad. And I remember remember afterwards reading all this stuff about, uh, uh, you know, these kids are just crybabies. You know, they've been getting trophies all their life. And I'm like, no, we've been telling them their whole life that they're bad, (laughs) that they'll never amount to anything. We put low expectations on them. And then... We elected someone that does, that's been accused of doing the same thing that we accused them of doing. And now we want to go and present something to them. But the moment you move from dogma to relationship, and you talk about the goodness of Father, you talk about the difference between death and life, when you start talking death, they'll figure it out. This is the spiral that's happening to humanity. You've moved away from the heart of the Father and you're moving towards death and that's why there's decay. That's why there's all this stuff happening. That's, that's, it, it has nothing to do with the Father. You've looked away from the very one that's life. When you start, they get that. They don't have to be told that, that the lifestyle that they're living is destructive. They don't need to be told that. They already know that. They already get that. They already know that things are messed up. They get that. They don't need to be reminded of it. They're looking for life. The paradigm has changed. The, the engine used to be faith. And then you had experience. And then you had revelation. That's all shifted. That was good back in the maybe the 20s and the 30s. But it's gradually progressed where experience and revelation, and sometimes even revelation before experience, is greater than faith. But we get so hung up on faith. And so that we, we keep pushing this train of faith, 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 And people are going, that's great. I'm glad you got that. But I'd like to have a little bit of revelation or a little bit of experience. And so we're seeing generations come to the Father through experiences and revelation. And it's changing the paradigm. And that engine and that thing's chugging right along. And it might veer off into some wrong directions, but if, if we, the awakened ones, would start sharing this message, they'll start finding, oh, wait, there's more here. There's truth here. There's life here. They're searching and they're looking. And that just doesn't go for generations, the now generation or whatever you call them. Y, what's Z, Whatever they are now, I think they ran out of letters. But that goes for anybody. 
I sat and talked to a 30-some, 40-some-year-old a couple weeks ago, and me just sharing, God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's not counting, he's not counting sin against you, your actions against you. He just wants to see, he wants you to see him for who he is. And when you see him for who he is, and you start walking towards him, if there's stuff that don't need to be there, he'll take care of it, and you don't need me to tell you to get rid of it. You'll just let it go. For them, that was like, what? Person who grew up in the church, person who's lived in the church, person who's walked in the church, and now kind of stepped away, who was told their entire life, God's mad at you if you do that. If I tell my son, listen, my son is, is three, and if I tell him, Ezra, don't do that, guess what he's going to do? You're going to go do it. Lindsay tells me all the time, you can't just tell him no. You have to go down and get on his level and talk to him. I'm like, I don't want to get up and talk to him. Right? <laughs> but the moment I extend relationship to my son, you know what happens? He stops doing what he's doing. He starts moving towards me. I move towards him. He instantly moves towards me. And my son's heart is so big that as soon as I move towards him, I don't even have to say anything to him. I don't have to tell him no. His first reaction out of his mouth is like, I'm sorry, Daddy, or I love you, Daddy, or huggy, Daddy. I mean, that's his first, his first response. We're supposed to live like kids, right? Heart like a child. That's how it is with the father. When you finally turn and go, oh, he's been running towards me this entire time. Man. That's what people, when people hear that message, it shifts and changes everything. And so that's why we're walking through this. That's why we're going through this beautiful gospel. We're looking at these different tenets. We're looking at these different things. Because I want to awaken in you this heart to just see, man, when we really start sharing this stuff, what's going to happen? It's going to rock people's world. Just the message of we're not... We don't start the message of the gospel with depravity, but we start with the Father's goodness. That instantly changes everything. And now when you move from the goodness of Father to where it was Christ who died once and for all for everyone, and now the choice is in your hands, paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. I hope this encourages you to dig further. I want you to dig further. I want you to look at the text that I brought forth. Don't take anything that I say for granted. Study it for yourself. Look it up for yourself. Dive in for yourself. If you're wanting some books and things to look at to kind of dive into this, just message me. I'll, I'll throw some stuff your way. You, you might be reading some stuff that I need to read. Throw it my way. Let's dialogue and walk this thing out together. Let's grow together. Life in Christ is freeing. There's no fences, there's no boundaries, there's no strings attached. It's just living life, and we live that together, and we grow together, and we talk with one another, and that causes iron to sharpen iron, and we grow. So if there's things that you're like, man, stir this up in me, or I got this question, message me, talk to me, grab me here, just don't hit me. Just kidding. (laughs) Let's talk. It's dialogue, all right?
Let's pray. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this beautiful gospel that we've been entrusted with. We've received revelation and salvation, and we're moving to the heart of the Father, and we're finding our inheritance, and and we're finding our election in the the elected one, the chosen one. We find it deeper and deeper, and you stir in our hearts and cause us to live out this story and, and share this story with everyone that we come in contact with, that Jesus did this for everyone, all. It's been open to all and for all. We just give you honor and glory, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. It is such a joy for me to introduce you to the Mirror Bible. My name is François de Toy, and it's been my joy to be engaged with this project for several years. And uh, the feedback we get from around the world is just absolutely fantastic. From teenagers to theologians, young and old, people are just responding with such joy to the overwhelming impact they have in rediscovering the Bible as it were. You know, the Bible was never meant to be a boring book. It really is the romance of the ages that is celebrated in the great redemption work, the genius of God in successfully accomplishing the redeemed image and likeness of our maker, the engineer of the universe. You know that you began in the mind of God. You did not begin in your mother's womb. You are the very masterpiece of the God of creation. And he has successfully redeemed his image and likeness in your being. The beauty of what we celebrate, we have just come through another Easter celebration. For centuries we have celebrated Easter, but the beauty of what we've often missed in the unveiling of Easter is that Jesus died humanity's death. When he was raised, he He jointly raised us together with him, says Paul in Ephesians 2 verse 5. And he quotes from Hosea 6 verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. The best news is irrelevant if someone feels excluded. If you read the Mirror Bible, you'll discover how included you are in the embrace of God. You can contact us on www.mirrorword.net. God bless you.